You're listening to the Down the Pub podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. forward now in surely what will be their last attack a good ball by Dixon finding Smith for Thomas charging through the midfield Thomas it's up for grabs now Thomas right at the end welcome to this episode of the Down the Pool podcast uh, we are joined by the OG of fan uh, TV shows on YouTube uh, Robbie Loyal uh, welcome to the show Robbie no, it's good. Thank you for inviting me. Um, you know, we're down the pub with no drinks at the moment. Like, I'm yeah. on the water. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've, I've got um, ginger, hey. and, ginger and lemon tea. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's five o'clock somewhere and yeah, we're just curing the hangover of the day before. We're, we're, <laughs> let's take it like that. We're, we're, down, we're, we're, we're down the pub in Qatar. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know what it's like for, for you guys <laughs> over there, but over here. It's quite a strict lockdown at the moment. So well, you, 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 we, we just opened up there about a week and a half ago. They opened the bars back up and stuff like that. We've been relatively lucky. I mean, we don't have many cases here in, in Nova Scotia. So, yeah. Yeah, well, it's like... yeah, here I had it. I had it over I had it over the Christmas period. And um, it's not nice. And it's been it's been like really a lot of people being hit with it over here. So everything over here at the moment is in lockdown. Probably the only thing that isn't is football, but everything is in lockdown. So you're not really allowed out um, unless you're going to work or, you know, well, unless you're going to work, I think that's it. Fun time, um, and you've got to stay in. So no pubs, nothing. They're all closed at the moment. So oh, God, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's awful. And I, I honestly can't wait for it. Like, I, I want to go back home and see the family and stuff like that, and I just, I'm kind of stuck not being able to. Um, so, Carlos and Chris are here with us too. Um, I, I just I, I was just listening to your podcast there on the ITV football show. So, you, you go from talking to Andros Townsend to talking to, <laughs> to, us, to us three ragbags. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> so, it's so, good. It's good. so, so the, first, the first question I have for you is, uh, obviously, Arsenal have had a, few, a bit of a turnaround in the last few weeks from... Uh, the, the craziness um, and obviously towards yourself you were kind of on the fence a little bit about Arteta and stuff like that and we've seen Ollie's kind of turn around that United and stuff like that um, do you think that football fans were too quick to jump on the managers like down his throat and try and get him out of the club because these guys have been able to to turn things around yeah it's, it's, it's a difficult one isn't it I mean these are big clubs you know I mean Arsenal's a massive club Man United's a massive club so you can understand when there's a, a huge downturn, like what we've had at Arsenal. I mean, we've just never seen this before. You know what I mean? Arsenal, close to the relegation zone, you know, that's alarm bells for a lot of fans. So I can fully understand why there were fans saying it's time for a change. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's, 
for a club of our size and for a club of where Man United was struggling and, you know, it's, it's not acceptable. You, you're thinking to yourself, we, we're not just used to being down this part of the table. But then on the other hand, I understand what you say. You know I mean? There needs to be more patience. And, you know, the, the board of Arsenal showed, showed patience with Mikel Arteta because I think the predicament we were in, if they would have sacked him, people wouldn't really be surprised, would they? They'd be like, well, bloody hell, you know what I mean? What, what do you expect? So they show patience in him. And then we've kind of turned turned it around uh, the Christmas period. I think it was a, a very good uh, Christmas for the team. You know, um, we've been on a little run of five games, one draw, four wins. And all of a sudden, it's, it's like you're looking at a different dynamic. So... I think the decision has been proven right not to sack him. But I have to admit that even me at one stage, I was thinking to myself, you know what? Maybe if he loses like a couple more, he's got to go because this is this is Arsenal. We, you know I mean, we can't be looking at relegation and things like that, you know? And I was, I was looking at it myself and thinking, is this maybe something where we need to bring in maybe a Rafa Benitez or somebody like that with a bit more experience who can steady the ship and get us out of this trouble. But fortunately, Mikel Arteta has been able to do that. And I do want him to succeed because he's a young manager. He's a hungry manager. You know that he wants the best for Arsenal. And also, you do know that he hasn't got the tools at the moment to do what he wants to do. So I'm glad now that we, we have stuck with him and let's hope we can keep winning games. So, so don't hate me, but I'm a I'm a Tottenham fan. <laughs> so, <laughs> but 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 we, us and yourselves, like we find ourselves in the same kind of predicament that you know, like we've just big stadiums to finance. Um, mm. We don't have the same sort of money as the bigger clubs. Obviously, Arsenal have just taken out 120 million pound loan and stuff like that. Do, do you think that as as fans ourselves as well that we expect our clubs aren't as big as what we think they are anymore? Is, do you think that's part of the problem too? Well, I think, you know, we, um, every football fan's being very unrealistic at the moment because we are <laughs> in a pandemic. And, you know, there's... I was doing a podcast this morning and it was like, do you realise we've not... It's nearly a year since we've been to a game of football. A year. And you think of a club like Arsenal that makes so much money off of match day revenues. I mean, I think they charge way too much, but they make a lot of money off of match day revenues a lot of money off of corporate stuff, a lot of money off of merchandising and stuff like that, that's all taken a huge hit. So I think it's not just Arsenal, not just Tottenham, it's every single club. You see clubs like Barcelona struggling right now, Real Madrid saying that they, they can't buy anybody, so just ain't got the money. And, and a lot of clubs are like, we can't buy anybody unless we sell or unless we release players off of our wage bill. And Arsenal... I've been one of those clubs in particular that's got a lot of very high-earning players that ain't even playing, that they want to, you know, Meza Ozil, £350,000 a week, Socrates, 90 grand a week, Kalasin, actually, they've just released on loan now. He was on £120,000 a week. That's three players that don't even play. And wow. look at the amount of money that they were on. So until... Arsenal was getting, you know, got rid of those players. It doesn't release up funds to be able to buy a lot of players. Now, that's been the big problem with us. And it's, I think it's a major problem with all the football clubs at the moment. They just ain't got 
they just ain't got that money sloshing around at the moment because there's there's no fans in grounds. Yeah, it's, it's uh, as I said, I mean, the Tottenham fans are just as bad. Like we're expecting miracles for them to go and spend money on like defenders and all that kind of stuff, and it's just not there. And I think it's uh, it's time we kind of woke up a little bit to the fact of how precarious football teams are and, and their finances. Um, so just just for, for yourself on the show, uh, as you mentioned there, unfortunately you've had COVID, and I'm glad you're you're over and stuff for that. But your whole show dynamic was based around you, you know, surrounded by the baying crowd and then you're talking to the, the lads and stuff for that. So how has that, how has COVID changed the dynamic of your show and uh, like, how has it changed your business model? Well, it's completely changed it because um, obviously our whole thing was about going to games wherever Arsenal were, whether that be in the UK, whether that be in Europe, you know, America, wherever, wherever that whole business model like come to a crashing halt. Because, you know, we, we've not, as I said, been nearly a year since we've been to a football game. So we had to have a rethink of how we did things. Um, we decided to go along with a watch-along concept. But we decided we're going to do it in a different way, which is basically instead of um, just doing it on a live, you know, everyone just doing it at home, we're going to get the fans together in a socially distant space and we'll watch the game that way. And, and that's proved um, very, very successful for us. Um, we've still been able to um, be following the club as much, if probably doing even more content around it than we've ever done. So um, we really had to adapt our business model, really had to adapt how we do things. But fortunately for us, and I give a lot of thanks for it, we've, you know, we've been very successful with it and uh, we've still been able to go around doing our business, which, you know, there's a lot of companies up here in the UK. As I was saying to you guys before we started the stream, the, the whole country is under a lockdown. So you've got major companies going bust at the moment because they've just got no business. The hospitality business is over with at the moment here. So very fortunate, very lucky that we was able to do that. And um, it's been good because we've still been able to, sometimes get together even though it's a very reduced crowd because we we have to have limits on it and as i said it's all socially distanced but it's good still to be able to sometimes be watching a game with your you know a couple of mates nothing beats it i mean i remember when i had the covid and i was watching it from home it was just i was like bloody hell it's me on my own <laughs> you know i've got no one to moan at no one to bounce off of you know what i mean so <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's great when you watch it with a few people, you know, um, it, it, you know, you kind of get, it's still not the same as being at a game, but you get that, you know, everyone's got the same energy in the room. Everybody is like, you know, feeling every tackle, just willing their team to win. So, um, yeah, it's, it, we, we've been very fortunate that we've still been able to continue on. It's uh, definitely been uh, fun to watch and uh, I wish we'd all bought shares in Zoom before all this started. Uh, Far <laughs> away there, Chris. You're not lying, man. I've been watching that stock price. Just, <laughs> my goodness gracious. So, Robbie, um, your roots and your early beginnings in journalism, it, it's kind of a mystery to a lot of people and it's always been something I've been very curious of because every time I see a new presenter or somebody new on television, I kind of want to dig into their background and their education. But yours is a mystery. So I was just kind of wondering how you got involved in journalism and, and, and re what really inspired you to start Arsenal Fan Television? Well, um, I've got not really 
I'm not really got any journalist journalistic experience. You know, I mean, I've sort of uh, just started something. Um, just you know, I, I back in the day, I used to be involved in like music, and I did do a um, reggae show on the radio. So I think from doing that, I learned how to interview people. I learned how to um, you know communicate with people a lot. So I'd say that gave me some experience. But as regards to sport and, you know, really, I've got no experience. I just literally, we just one day turned up outside the Emirates with a mic and a camera and started filming. I, I definitely had no experience at all in film, in filming, in editing, in how to do that. That was all brand new. But I just had the idea. It was an idea. It was an idea that I had. And I was just like, you know, what? I think this can work, man. I think, you know. We, if we can get Arsenal fans to have their say, I think people would like to hear that. People would like to hear what real fans of football clubs say, rather than just all the time journalists, ex-players. You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with journalists or ex-players. They do a great job. But why can't we hear from the fans? The fans are invested in their club. The fans who go week in, week out, no matter what the weather no matter, I mean, listen, if, if, if fans could go to the ground right now, COVID or no COVID, they'd be there, right? So, um, you know, I, I I just had an idea, really, and it's just really just been from their trial and error. <laughs> and that's the truth. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Because I expected there to be some sort of extensive background, maybe, you know, years and years ago, because I saw you were working with the BBC. Um, how has the game So I did a reggae show on the BBC, yep. but as, as I said, that was um, that was completely different because it was music. So and, you know, I, I guess, though, I always do look at it and say one thing I think I learned there was how to interview people that taught me because you're. Uh, when you interview a reggae artist in particular, right? There can be, you can get some difficult artists. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I've interviewed guys like Buja Bantan and many, many big reggae artists I interviewed. And they can be difficult in, in difficult, in not that they're being horrible or nothing, but just difficult in those they, you know, you know, music stars. I mean, they're all different. You know, you get someone and they're just one word answers. You get others that answer you questions back. You, I mean, so you kind of learn. But I think the main thing about I've always found with interviewing is that your job is to listen. Your job is to put questions and challenge. So, like with when I'm interviewing a football fan, my job is to challenge that fan. If a fan says Arteta out, well, why? Why do you want Arteta out? Let us know. Don't just say something. We want to know the reasons. And then my job is to then counter, but because Arteta's not there to defend himself, I feel that I my job is, whether I agree with that person or not, to try and counterbalance that. Well, you want him out, but why do you want him out when he's not really been given the right amount of funds to build a team to compete? Um, you're moaning about him not being in the top four, but let's be honest, does he have a top four squad? So that that's how I kind of approach my interviews, but... The most important thing is to let the person who's having their say have their say. Let them say, you know, when people want to hear, they want to hear from me, they want to hear from the person that's being interviewed. So that's my policy on it. I just keep it basic. 
That's fantastic. Uh, but prior to this season, obviously, COVID derailed a lot of people's plans. And, and me, Carlos, and Anthony had some discussions of doing a show similar to what you have done with Arsenal Fan Television. Um, I'm a big fan of, of full-time Red Devils. I know that they're on a hiatus slash might not be coming back themselves. But who are some of the other, I don't really want to call them competition, because I know that you guys all are, are friends, too, behind the scenes. But who are some of the different brands that I would consider you inspired uh, that have really impressed you over the last decade or so? Um, I think that, you know, I think United stands, the, the Man United guys of um, Mark Goldbridge, Flex. I really like those guys. I like what they've done. I think um, I've always thought that felt that like Mark Goldbridge, what he done with the watch along concept and that was, you know, really unique. And, you know, he, he's done um, really well with that channel. Um, and then there's just many other influencers out there. You know I mean? There's, there, there's a lot of influencers out there that have got, that have got channels, they're small. Um, maybe because maybe they're not following an Arsenal or a Man United or a Liverpool or... But they've still got good channels. You know, they've still got good channels and they're, they're still really talented guys. You know what I mean? So th- there's there's so many of it. I, I, I watch so many different channels and I just like to hear from the real fans of those clubs. I did a thing um, last night with a, with a Crystal Palace channel. The guy's only just started it up. It's called, uh, I think it's called Pride of South London TV. And he was excellent. And when he spoke about, you know, when we was doing the preview and he was speaking about Roy Hodgson and stuff, the things he was saying, I, I didn't really think about that. I, I, I thought every Crystal Palace fan was right behind Roy Hodgson. He was saying to me that they're behind him, they like him, but they want him to change his style of football. They don't, you know, they think now that, you know, they want to see a change. I did a, I did a thing a couple of weeks ago with a, a West Brom fan. And he was like saying that the West Brom fans are very angry at the moment that West Brom got rid of Slavan Village. They didn't want Sam Allardyce. They see Sam Allardyce as a guy that was really a, a Wolves fan, not a West Brom fan. And they didn't want Sam Allardyce to come in and they were being... He said that the West Brom fans were being very realistic with where they were. They, they realised that they come up from the championship, that they haven't really spent no money. So the fact that they were second from bottom, they were, they were like, listen, we obviously want to move up the table. We want to stay in the Premier League, but give the guy a chance. So that's why sometimes I like to hear from those real fans because you, you get the, you know, you, I, don't, I want to hear from a pundit who's a friend of Sam Allardyce. He's not going to tell the truth, is he? It'd be like if I'm someone's asking me to comment on one of you guys, I might be like, well, Chris is a cool guy, man. No, 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 there's nothing. I mean, whether, it, whether it's true or not. But you speak to fans, all they're interested in is their football club. It's not about the manager. It's not about the player. It's about the club that they support because the players, the managers, they can go. The fans can't. No matter what, they're still there. So... I like to hear from everyone. I like to listen to, you know, so many different influencers out there. And, you know, so many of them doing a really good job. Robbie, a uh, quick question for you. Um, you know, YouTube is now kind of like a career that everybody makes. There's so many YouTubers you were discussing about Manchester United fans and everything. You started in 2012 when YouTube was kind of like having a peak for being a YouTuber. Um, I found that um, then... In 2016-17, that was when YouTube established it as a platform to be successful and everybody can make a living out of it. And then now in COVID, 
like, you know, everybody has to be home and Zoom connected with everybody and people, there's tons of people now launching um, YouTube channels and everything. And long story short is like, I, I describe this as a three phases in YouTube. When you started, you were mentioning that you were a BBC radio host and help you to make your interviews and everything. How was it too difficult for you to move into this channel and how um, the, ch the evolution of YouTube have changed your life in what you do? Yeah, well, listen, when I first went into YouTube, I mean, uh, the radio thing, that had been years before. I was actually working nine to five as a surveyor, building mm -hmm. surveyor. So I'd long finished doing the the music stuff. So, um, and then I had no filming experience, nothing. Mm -hmm. I just had an idea and I just thought, you know, this could work. And then when I first, you're right, when I first, when we first started doing the YouTube stuff, At that time, I didn't really know what you could earn, how you could earn. I tried to ask a lot of people. Nobody would ever tell you. It was like, I was like, this has come like a secret society or something. You ask somebody, you go to somebody, you say, yo, so how much can you earn? You know, how much do you earn if you if your video this does X amount? What do you make? I don't know. Yeah, but you've got a channel. So what? No, but I don't know. It's like nobody would tell you. So we went into it completely blind in that aspect, in that I just always had the philosophy that, you know what, forget I forget about making money. It's not about making money for me. I'm like, what I want to do is I want to create a good channel with great content. If we do that, money at some stage will come. That was my philosophy. And it's still my philosophy to this day. I still work off of the same principle that make good content you got a lot of people trying to make lots of money now i i i my my thing is if you make good content you make engaging content the money will come because the numbers will come you you know and sponsors will come advertising will come because that's the concept of youtube of google of facebook of, those are how those companies make their money through advertising and the more faces you have Watching your content, the more people will, the, the more companies will want to be part of what you're doing and that's how you make your money. But don't concentrate on that to start off with. Concentrate it on making good content. I think this is where a lot of people fall down when they're doing channels. Yeah. It's after making money. Oh, let me do 10 videos a day so I can make a load of money or let me you know, oh, let me try and find a viral video and let me, and then it becomes all contrived. And I don't like that. I, I'm like, make good content, make engaging content, build it, you know? And I, and I felt that like, even with what we were doing, because we built it over a period of time, it's built on strong foundations, you know? It's, it's organic. And that's where, that's when you're onto a winner. And if I, if I look around YouTube as well, and a lot of other social media platforms, and I look at the very biggest influencers, they've all built up organic. They, they came with something. They came with something different. Definitely. It, and they built it over a period of time. People look at some of the, like you look on YouTube and like over here in the UK, there's like this guy KSI. I know him's a good guy. Guna as well, Arsenal fan. He's got like about 20 odd million followers. People often look on that guy like he's some sort of, he did it overnight. 
It guy's been on YouTube like for probably about 13, 14 years. He's built what he's achieved. He's built it over a period of time. He's built a foundation. He's worked and he's, I, I, I remember being on an um, advertising shoot with him and him telling me about his work rate. His work rate's phenomenal. I was like, you know what? If, if, I, if I'm going to build a big channel, my work rate's got to match his work rate. My work rate has got to be unreal. And my philosophy is I ain't going to, I, you know, you ain't going to outwork me. I will work. Yeah. I, I had, when I had COVID at Christmas, I was still doing videos. Yeah. I was, people were like, Robbie, man, are you, are you sure? Are you all right? I was like, true that. I was like, I was in my bed, yeah. sick, got up, drunk a load of water, got up, drunk a load of water, <laughs> washed my face and all that, come, did a video and then went back to bed again. You know what I mean? So listen, you've got to be, you've got to be dedicated to this thing and you really got to put it in. And, um, and as I said, build, build a foundation. It's not so, it's too much people just, oh, money, 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 money. Of course. You've got to be patient, build good content. The rest will come. If you're doing a podcast, it's about consistency. It's not about, you're going to do your first podcast and you get millions of people watching. It don't work like that. Yeah. You know? I I definitely agree, especially this little thing connects everybody, you know, and, and yeah. especially when, when you're passionate about what you do, like it's, you don't treat it like work. It's like you're getting work for, for a hobby. You're getting paid for a hobby that you do and it turns into work, which is even better. Mm. My second question related to that is that the, how do you deal with uh, the trolls over the internet? Because, <laughs> you know, football is like speaking with politics in England. Like it's a big, a huge uh, rivalry, you know, like the teams, like you have a lot of con um, collaborators like that they're from like they have a Manchester uh, City, Manchester United uh, YouTube channel. So at the end, you guys are collaborators, but each of you guys support your own team. How do you deal? How do you deal with trolls and the negative comments? Because like speaking with uh, speaking about football sometimes tends uh, to leave some consequences about like some people don't like what you think because you have your own opinions. And that's when controversy starts, especially in this beautiful game. My question for you is how you deal with the controversy and how do you deal with, with, you know, with the trolls over the internet when you're so famous and your channel is so successful like that, especially for a big club like Arsenal. And second one is that the, every person, no matter what they say that they don't, they, they just ignore at the end, we're human beings. And even if you're famous or not, that little thing gets into your head a little bit only because, you know, like nobody wants to hear negative stuff about how do you deal with that uh, going to that level, you know? You have to learn that it kind of goes with the territory, right? The bigger you get, you guys with your podcast, your podcast blows up. Someone's going to say, I don't like that red top you wore. Why is he wearing a hoodie over his head? You know, um, it, you know I mean, it, it's... It just goes with the territory, man. You know what I mean? You, you have to, you can't take it personal, especially in football, right? Football is a thing where people, they come at you. I mean, it, it, you know, the amount of fans that come at me, even my, even fans, Arsenal fans, they'll be like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll get some Arsenal fans saying, sometimes you're not a true Arsenal fan. You know, I just ignore them. I know I'm a true Arsenal fan. I know that I was been going, I've had a season to go to Arsenal years and years and years before I even thought about doing AFTV. I've been supporting this club all my life. I've been to games all around the world following this club, right? I've been to 
you know, when some of these fans are there saying to me, I'm not a real fan, I, I went to see Arsenal play in the Ukraine when the country is under martial law. How many of them would have done that? So I, I, I ignore it. You can't... And, and then I think sometimes you, people have to realise with the internet, with social media, you have a very vocal minority sometimes. True. Right? And I remember one... I'll never forget one time I went to a football game and... and um, all day long, I was walking around before the game, all throughout the day and after. This is what on social media, but this, this is an example of what I'm saying. And all day long, people were coming up to me and saying, oh, Robbie, respect, bro. I love what you do, man. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Big up, man. I love AFTV. Love what you're doing. What do you reckon the score will be today? Just pure love all day, yeah? And then I remember right at the end, um, the game finished. We were doing loads and loads and loads of it because typically after a game we'll still be there like a few hours after. And we did all the interviews and everything finished. And it's like, we're just getting ready to pack up our stuff. And two guys walked past me and I said, Robbie, you're a fucking wanker. You prick. Fucking ate what you lot do. Harsh. And, and Jesus. I was like, what? Right? I was like, what? And... You know, the couple of guys with me, they're really pissed off. And I was pissed off. And then I said, but then I then they walked off. I mean, we felt like going after him and, you know, but you can't do that. Right? Oh, my God. And they walked off and that. And, like, we're walking to the car and, like, a couple of my guys are moaning. So imagine these idiots, man. And I said, actually, you know what? Stuff those guys, man. I go, are we going to make two guys ruin our day? And that's what the internet is like. So you, you have loads of people who love what you're doing, but they might not tell you. They're not really going to come out and say every minute, yeah, love what you're doing, brilliant, keep up the great work, guys. This is the best podcast. But you get some of that, but you won't get that luck. Yeah. But you get these guys now, I oh, shit. They're the ones that are quick to jump on you know, social media, make their comments and stuff like that. So sometimes you start reading too much into that, right? You start to think that you're doing something wrong when you're not. The majority like what you're doing. Look at the numbers. So I look at the numbers, man, and I look at, I'll be like, yo, that was two guys. All day long, I probably met like 300 people and they were all cool. And two oh. guys, I'm going to, well, I'm an idiot if I'm listening to two guys. I am truly an idiot. And it's the same principle you've got to adopt to social media. Look at your numbers. I will do a video. There'll be 100,000 people have watched that video. Well, am I going to, because three people commented on it and said, Robbie, you fat bastard. You don't know what you're talking about. You chat shit. Am I going to, if I worry about those three people, I am the idiot. They're actually right. I'm an idiot. So you ignore those people. You just say, oh, okay, yeah, 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 and just ignore them. And that's the principle you have to have to survive in this space. Because if you take every comment to heart, do okay. something else. You're not going to get far. I don't really, you know, I don't read every comment. You know what I mean? You know, you, you, I, I try to engage with the comments where people are talking sense. And, it, and, and, and listen, I have no problem with people not agreeing with what I, what I say. I have no people 
no problem with people saying, I don't really like AFTV. I don't like everything I watch on TV. I don't like every podcast I listen to. I don't like, you know what I mean? Yes. But, you know, you've got some very, you know, you've got some people out there, they're just a bunch of haters. Ignore them, man. Ignore yeah. them. Don't, don't waste your energy on these people. And it's very important that you don't if you're doing this industry because <laughs> of and, course. And as I said, they're the vocal minority. Of course. Uh, speaking of, of this hate and everything, uh, you're you're kind of like an evangelist for Arsenal for all the fans, and that's the success that's the success of your channel. My question is: There's one subject that divides Arsenal supporters. There's the ones that love uh, Wenger, and the ones that are against him. How do you do? How do you deal with this? Because at the end, it's a brotherhood, and they and they love Arsenal. But how do you dealt? with this, when this this um, kind of like subject continues to divide, some people want him back, even they're dreaming that Arsene should be back into Arsenal if Arteta gets sacked. How do you deal with this? What are your thoughts about this? Again, um, you allow people to have their opinions. Mm -hmm. That's all you can do, you know I mean? I mean, it was, a, it was a very traumatic, when we first started doing AFTV, the majority of fans loved Arsene Wenger. You know, I loved Arsene Wenger for all that he'd done for, for, for this football club. You know what I mean? You can't, you know, he had a lot of credit in the bank. Yes. Remember, he was in charge for 22 years. Gave you titles. You know, yeah, invincible titles and that. But not just that, he was in charge for a very, very long time. People try and make out like Arsenal fans spent their whole career just on Wenger's. It's not the truth. Even when we first moved into the Emirates Stadium and we were going for a really tough time, 90, 95% of the fans were behind it because they're like, you know what, he's moved into the new stadium, he ain't got the money. It was only towards like, you know, probably from about 2014, fans started to kind of turn. They started to be like, hey, listen, man, right. They lost patience then. And... You're right. You had some fans who were still like, no, he's he's earned enough credit in the bank. Even though times are tough for us to still, we should still be right behind him. And there were other fans who were like, no, it's time for him to leave. We need a change. <clears throat> and we were having to negotiate that. We were having to, we were in the middle of that sometimes. And people would be like, Robbie, yeah, and people would be like, Robbie, what's your opinion? You know what I mean? And I tried never to give my opinion because I was like, no, I'm, I'm here to air everybody's opinion on it. So, listen, everybody's got their opinion, man. Just respect people's opinions. If somebody thinks uh, they love Arsene Wenger and they, they wanted him to stay, you respect their opinion. And if somebody's like saying, no, I think it's time for him to leave, as long as they do it in a respectful way, you respect their opinion as well. And I, and I think you have, to, you have to go by that principle. Your job is not to... Your job when you're you're sort of talking about these things is not really defending or doing any. Your, your your job is to give people a chance to have their say. And as I said at the start, you challenge them. You challenge their opinions. You know. Um, so listen, he was a loved guy. He still loved at Arsenal. Yeah. He still loved at Arsenal, and he should be for all that he did. Yeah, I think it was like I think that his stubbornness kind of was his downfall. You know, like he never he never seemed to want to change with the times or change the way his philosophy when football was kind of passing him by a little bit. And I think Mourinho was falling into that trap too where 
10, Mourinho 10, 15 years ago was incredible, but football's passing by, and you can kind of just see like the way that Tottenham play now, it's ridiculous. Um, so I, I just it, uh, it always been, don't worry. Yeah, Tottenham are going to win the league. Yeah. Yeah. I know, right? Now, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you, are, you are right on that, Mourinho. My neighbor's a Tottenham fan, and right. He says the same, you know, I, I, I was saying to him from the start, okay, yeah, I wouldn't, and I, I was back and forth with a lot of Arsenal fans. I like, because remember at the same time, a lot of people were saying that Arsenal should have moved from Mourinho. And I was like, nah, I don't, I don't want Mourinho. Number one, I just remember how he used to treat Wenger. But then number two, I'm just like, no, that style of football is a bit, you know, nah, I want a progressive style of football now. And whilst he, is a guy still that I think can he, he's a, he can win trophies because I think his style of football is suited to cup competitions where, you know, they can dig in and dig in and dig in and get far in the competition. He always plays strong teams throughout. But I still think that, you know, I was watching them play the other night when they played Fulham. And, you know, they went one nil up. And you're thinking, yeah, right, if I was a Tottenham fan now, which I'm glad I you'd be like... <laughs> <laughs> you'd be saying you'd be saying kick on now kick on and they didn't they just like they're holding on for a 1-0 like they did in the previous game and they got done they got done by Fulham you know what I mean they they pegged it back so I, I don't like that style of football and yeah I, I, Mourinho yeah makes my eyes bleed man like like it's it's just crazy to watch a team where Harry Kane and, and Son are trying to hold on for a 1-0 victory against yes, fucking Fulham uh, so, so long, long, long may it continue <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, if, if you ever won the league, man, I don't know what I'd do. I mean, I'd have to. I'd have to uh, I, I don't know. It'd be worse than COVID. Uh, so, it, would, it would be worse than COVID. I'll tell you that. I'd have to move somewhere. I don't know, some island somewhere. So, so uh, I just had a quick question about. Uh, obviously, your good friend Troops headed off to the states uh, with Barstool and stuff like that. Was there ever a plan for him to do his own thing with AFTV rather than going to Barstool? And did you get a transfer fee for him? <laughs> I didn't get a transfer listen, fee. Listen, all that money that Dave is making, I hope you got a transfer <laughs> fee. I didn't, get, I didn't get a transfer fee, man. That's like a free transfer. I didn't get a transfer fee. And, um, you know, Troops had his own channel. So when he was in the UK, he always had his own channel. And you know what? Listen, I wished him all the best when he went. You know, um, it was actually, we were actually out there in America um, following Arsenal when the Barstool guys approached him. So, you know, um, good luck to him. It's, it's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm proud that, you know, he, he, he came through doing what he's doing on AFTV and got recognised and taken over to America. That shows you the sort of stuff, that, the sort of stuff that we're doing over here and the sort of, you know, the, the, the platform that we have. He, he's not the only one. There's been other people that have... Um, been on our channel that have been poached away. I might have to put a transfer fee on <laughs> right, you know, Premier League TV, Nick, one of our, one of our girls. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? There's been others, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're right, you know, I'm going to have to put a transfer fee on it. Yeah, it's yeah. Sub, 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 I, I, I have to be like uh, a release clause. <laughs> the, the Robbie Lyle release clause, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah release hey. clause. That's what I'm going to get from that one. Ten million pound release clause on detail. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> really, all right. I'm gonna have to start doing it in the future. <laughs> so, so um, the obviously here in Canada, uh, the Montreal Impact or Montreal CF as they're known now. Thierry Henry is the the manager. So, have you been kind of watching what he's been doing? Uh, going to- <clears throat> 
getting his getting his uh, his his uh, experience and stuff like that in the MLS. Um, and would you like to see him manage uh, Arsenal someday? Um, I have to admit, I haven't really seen much of what he's been doing. I mean, how has he been doing out there? I'm not really since this COVID thing. I haven't really. He's been doing well. Like 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 Montreal isn't the biggest market, um, and so for what he's had, like I think he's done a pretty decent job. And they play some amazing, like attractive football. Uh, I think it's a better learning curve for him than what Monaco was. I think Monaco was a, a shit. Yeah, Monaco was Monaco was tough for him. Um, listen, I would love for him, you know, him the Abieras and stuff like that to be able to one day manage Arsenal. I think it would be fantastic. The Musketeers. That was Perez, uh, yeah. Vieira, the gold era. Yeah, but I, don't, I do think it is important sometimes for a manager to learn his trade. You know, and in life, sometimes you're going to have some setbacks, but that's what's going to make you stronger down the road. You know, so um, he had a setback, a big setback at Monaco. Um, he obviously done a lot of things wrong there. If he's going to go to Montreal and learn from those mistakes, you know, because you've got a lot of outstanding players that don't make good managers because sometimes they think they're still players or they think that, you know, they, that maybe they, their communication skills ain't great because, you know, it didn't have to be when there was a player. Um, so I really hope that he does succeed. I really do. I love Thierry on me. Um, you know, he used to be my favourite player. So um, I'd love to see him one day manage Arsenal. That'd be special. Yeah, it's like a, we were talking to a guy like Joel Borderman, who's one of their defenders, and he was saying that he's still the best player in training. So it kind of says, <laughs> <laughs> says a lot about the guy. Um, so, you the know, guy. I remember when he was doing some stuff at Arsenal and I spoke to um, one of the coaches down there and he was, he was at one time, he was training, he was just training with the youngsters at Arsenal. So that would have been the under 23s and, and under eight. I think it's even younger than that. I think it's like the under 18s. And they said that he was always the first person at a training ground. Like the young players would be coming in and it would be like a freezing cold morning, you know, and Thierry Henry's already out there putting out all the cones and everything ready for training. And like he said that like, it was just an inspiring thing to see the young players thinking that's Thierry Henry. If he can get at this early, and be doing that. I I can't be late. I have to be here early, and I have to listen to what he says. So, um, yeah, he's, the, the, I'd love to see him involved with Arsenal once again. You know, I, I, I do think it's important that we get these legends involved. Definitely, and it, it always brings like a kind of boost to the club too. Um, so, my, my last question. Um, so, I'm a Celt. I'm obviously being from Ireland. You're either Celtic or Rangers. I'm a Celtic fan, and unfortunately, we're not going to. You be Dundalk. Dundalk or Glen Torren? I'm a I'm a Sha- I'm a Shamrock Rovers fan. So, so like part of the reason why they they're not, they're not doing so well this year is that they've had to sell key players like along the way, and obviously you guys got lucky with Kieran Tierney. Um, how have you found them since he's moved come into the club? Obviously, came in injured at the start and all that kind of stuff. And uh, what do you think he brings to the to the side? No, he's been brilliant. He's, listen, I'm arguably our best player this season. Um, he's, he's, uh, his attitude, um, his leadership qualities, and just his general quality. He's a great defender. And going forward, he's dynamic, he's explosive, great cross to the ball, and just a great player to have in that team. I, I absolutely love him. The fans adore him. And, you know, um, 
he's been an absolute steal. I think twenty odd million we pay for him, and he's yeah. still a very he's still a very very young player. So no, I I I, I and along with I'd say ninety nine point nine percent of Arsenal fans love Kieran Tierney. Um, you know, and we have to see if there's any more gems up there. In Scotland. <laughs> yeah, listen, one thing I don't do, I learned a long time ago, man. I don't get involved in. If, if someone says to me Celtic or Rangers, that's a question I always refuse to ask. <laughs> yeah, because uh, that can get you killed. Yeah, right? so, <laughs> that's a that's a question that get you killed, around, right? So I don't answer that one. But if there's any more gems up there, that'd be brilliant, brilliant. Because Carantini has been. Fantastic. You know, there are some very good Scottish players playing. I think there was a little period that went through in English football where there was a dip because you, one when I when I was younger, Scottish players all you know throughout Kenny Dalglish, Sunis, all these great Scottish players. You know, um, Frank McClintock at Arsenal. You know, um, Champagne Charlie. There's been a big dip in quality Scottish players. So it's good to see the Scottish players come back up again, you know, and Kieran Tini's right at the, right at the, the heart of that, you know, um, love him. I like that you're not discriminating. You'll take players from both Celtic and Rangers. So- I say from both, man. <laughs> both. And as I said, I am neutral when it comes to Celtic and Rangers. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I, I gotta edit this and put you in as a self I've been trying to be, they tried to draw me into it many times. I don't know. Right. My question is uh, basically, Robbie, um, who do you think right now in the squad, the current squad, regardless of the situation, um, pick up two players that you would like to be Arsenal legends? You gotta choose two. Which ones would it be from this current squad? I think even though he's having a very poor season this year, I think Aubameyang. Yeah. I think, you know, in the time in which he's coming, where, where, I, where I, give, I give him a lot of credit in the bank is he's basically, since he's coming at Arsenal, he's been carrying the team. Mm-hmm. But his goals have carried Arsenal over the past two and a bit seasons. And his goals won as those FA Cup last year, semi-final, final. You know I mean? He turned up in all the big games. So I think, I, I feel a bit sorry for him that he's not playing in a better team because I think we could be looking at a proper legend. Yes. Because even in the teams he's been in, his goal stats have been brilliant. Um, and then the other person, I, well, I, you know what, there's two I'd go. I think Saka, um, young player, I think potentially he can really become a legend. I think the, the world's at his feet. And obviously, and, and I think Tierney as well. Mm-hmm. Tierney is one that can become an Arsenal legend as well. Um, because, again, I just feel that he's a player that will be around for a long time at Arsenal. And, you know, and I just love his attitude. I love his whole attitude to the club. He seems like just such a humble person. I love humble people, man. They're, just, yeah. they're great at what they do. Probably know that as well, but they're humble with it. But then when it gets out on the pitch... That's when he shows his arrogance, and he's great. Um, Arteta started in Arsenal, I think, in 2019. Then COVID started, which make kind of uh, difficult. He's the first um, one. He's the first high-profile person to get it in football. Yeah, in English football. Because he was an assistant of Pep, and we know how Pep Guardiola struggled with City when he first came from Barcelona, from Bayern Munich. Um, 
he mm. he he went from Barcelona to Munich. He he Bayern Munich got uh, champions there, but the British league it's way different. Uh, the the Premier League it's a completely whole level. It's more co- the most the most competitive league in the world. So even like the best coaches struggle a little bit because they have a. I think Klopp had the same issue too. He yeah. needed a season to kind of like pace down and see okay this player works this doesn't. I want this player, but you can see the style of the game and the Spanish style like Pep is kind of like dominated by midfield. You know, you see amazing midfield. You got signed William that to me, I think that he could be better because I miss the William from Chelsea and the prime of, well, because William is an amazing midfielder. Uh, we, didn't, uh, we, didn't, we didn't get that William. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> a, that, that's, that's the thing. And I think Arteta, because coming from Spain, having that background of, you know, like skilled players in the midfield to say, I want this player for Arsenal. Um, do you think that um, Arteta perhaps in the next season with a better budget and with the better players, you see your Arsenal perhaps not winning the league, but perhaps just like being second, <clears throat> just biting up there the first place with the Manchester Cities, the Liverpools, yeah. etc. Mikel Arteta needs better, a better squad to compete. Definitely. It's simple as that. We don't, at, the, at this moment in time, um, we do not have, you know, uh, as I said, I was chatting to some Arsenal fans at the start of the league and, at this, and I was saying to you, what do you reckon? Realistic. And they're like, nothing less than top four. Mm-hmm. And because it's a big club. And big yeah, club, it's... See, you know? this is where, this is the problem is because it's a big club, we're all thinking Arsenal of old. The demands are higher, always yeah, in a big club. If you look at the actual players that he has at his disposal this season, there's no way that team is good. If he gets a top four, he's overachieved, right? Because Man United have got a better squad, so have Liverpool, so have Man City, so have Tottenham, so have Chelsea, Right, so that's already five. I've never Everton. Right? It's kind Everton's, of like there Everton's as good a squad as Arsenal's, if not, probably maybe yeah, as good a squad as Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Leicester's squad is as good a squad as Arsenal's. Mm-hmm. Wolves' squad is as good a squad as Arsenal, right? And then you've got even teams like West Ham. It's nearly, so that's already eight, nine teams, nearly ten teams I've named out. Mm-hmm. So it's unrealistic with the team that we have to talk about top four at the moment. He needs more play. He needs better players. He needs better personnel on it. And then at Arsenal, there's a lot of players there that are names. That you know, like Mesut Ozil is a typical example. That you know, on paper you think Mesut Ozil. Look at the players they've got, but they're players that needed to be moved on a couple of seasons ago. They they they're done at Arsenal. They they're never going to recapture what they've done in the past. They've they, they've come to the end of their time at Arsenal, and there's like about seven, eight players like that at Arsenal that need to be moved on. And he needs to move those on first. And it was, you know, top, you know, um, Liverpool had to do the same thing. When Klopp came in, I think I saw one graphic where there's the, like the starting 11 when he first came in, the team that he won the league with, there was none of them left. The only player in the, left who was even in the squad was Milner. You know, so... You know, there's a lot of changes you have to make and a lot of changes we're going to have to make in order to compete. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we're we still a, a bit off that because we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to clear out players mm-hmm. that are on extremely high wages with long contracts. Why would you go? Why? I, don't, I don't blame Mesut Ozil. 
You're on £350,000 a week. Hmm. You're living in London. You're nice. What, 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 why, why would I move to, you know, some other country for 50 grand a week? Do you consider that perhaps yeah. the higher managers doesn't let Arteta do his work because they pay so much for these players that they kind of try to justify what they pay for for, well, for the next three years? The owners of our club as well need to step up. Mm -hmm. The owners of Arsenal now, they need to be... I've, I've been very critical of the owners of Arsenal because I've just felt over the years that they've really lacked ambition. It takes, it takes everything. Everything has to align. Everything has to align. It, it can't just... If you look at the most... I, I always kind of look at this and I say, if you look at the most successful clubs, the most successful businesses, the most... Everything has to align. Everybody has to be on the same page. So first yeah. of all, it starts with the owners. The owners, what's your ambition? Is your ambition to get in the top four? Then that's what you, you know, your, your whole thing's going to be built around top four, mediocrity. But if your aim is to win, then you're going to go out there and you're going to do everything it takes to try and win. You're going to try and get the best players. You're going to try and get the best team together. You want the best manager. And this was a, pro this was a bit of the... The whole thing around Arsene Wenger, which I, when I look on it personally, and I think it was the big mistake at Arsenal, I think the owners became very comfortable because Arsene Wenger was always good at steadying the ship. So yeah. these guys, they, 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 I didn't think my personal ambition, I, my personal opinion, and without obviously not knowing them personally, is that they were comfortable in getting top four. They were, you know, money's coming in. Champions League football, we're in the spotlight, everything's good. They only started reacting when things started going bad, and that's never good. You're reacting after things are going wrong. You're supposed to be proactive. Now, if they'd have been proactive, they would have been looking at it, and then they would have been, if they were ambitious and proactive, they would have said, right, number one, we want to win the league again. Now we're in this new stadium. Our aim is to win the league in X amount of years. Then they, when, you, when you've first of all got that ambition, you're starting to look at the manager and you're saying, Arsene Wenger was a great manager, but you know what? Is he going to be the guy that's going to get us back to winning the league? Either we've got to give him the resources and give him a big push to see if he can do it, or we have to get someone else in. They didn't do either. They didn't give him the resources. We kept trotting along, just getting top four, top four, until that started going wrong. When we started dropping off of that now, then they reacted. Too late. They could have got Klopp. They could have got Pep Guardiola. Uh, the rumors I heard is that Pep Guardiola wants to come to Arsenal. And they held on to Arsene Wenger for too long. Because Arsene Wenger was so good at his job that even with a mediocre type team, he could still get in the top four. But recently, other teams have stepped up. Other teams have, have been more ambitious And that's what's knocked us out. And now they're, now they're reacting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when they want to react now, they've now been lumbered with your Urzils and all these players on high wages they can't get rid of. And that's been the problem at Arsenal. It's been a long time in the making. And that's mm -hmm. why I'm glad, even though I'm not going to be a hypocrite, I was a bit upset and I was thinking maybe we need to change the manager. But I'm glad they've stuck with him. I hope they back him with ambition and vision. Mm -hmm. Right, because if that's the only way we're going to get back to where we want to be, um, and that's what I said, everything has to be aligned. It starts from the top. 
Well-run businesses, well-run teams do well. Manchester City, well-run, very well-run team. Always there or thereabouts, always at the top. Liverpool, very well-run, up the top. Man United, badly run. Great players, splash a lot of money, badly run, haven't won nothing for ages. All right, I know they're at the top of the... Every United fan's claiming they've won the league already in January, right? <laughs> but it's, let's see what happens at the end of the season. But I feel, I've always said it over the years, if you look at the players at United gone, they should be competing, got, they should be competing for the league every year. But it was chopping, changing, changing manager, change this, change that, just buy a player for the, when they bought Alexis from us. They didn't need Alexis. Yeah. That Martial killing it on the left. They, they're going to bring in Alexis to what, what for? That's no play plan. the piano. Yeah, exactly. There was no planning behind that. There's no thought, mm-hmm. right? Whereas you look at you, you look at City. There was one year Man City that all they bought was fullbacks, and everyone was going, "What's Pep doing? Where's the super yep. duper striker? Why is he not gone for that? You know, big." He knew what he wanted to do. He goes, "I need strikers. I'll I'll pay fifty million pounds for um what's it uh what's the name you played? They bought from Tottenham. Ah." Oh. Man, uh, but they'll, they'll, they'll pay 50 million pounds for a right back because he knows he wants wingers, he wants the best in that. That's planning, right? Liverpool planning, you know, all these teams. But then you see the badly run teams always reacting, Man United reacting, Arsenal reacting, and that's why we, we haven't won, been near winning the league for ages. It's, it's so, like it's like a cure, like they give you a pill just to ease the pain, but they don't cure the illness. Like they need to have a medium and long-term plan for every club. I mean, we knew COVID was coming, right? You know what I mean? We never never have a plan for it. Definitely. And when it got here now, we are locked down, open up, lockdown, open up, lockdown, hopefully we'll get a vaccine. You know what I mean? That's not planning. No. So I want to see Arsenal, you know, um, with a big plan now. I want to see them like, and that, I want to see the owners have ambition. And that ambition is, I want to win the league. It doesn't mean you're going to win the league, but if you're like, I want to win the league, then you start to explore how you're going to do that. And you start looking, not, not just comfort zone top four. That's where we've been for years. Ah, oh, it's all right, top four. We're in the Champions League next year. Nah. Yeah, and I think a big part of the problem that the, what happened with Man United is that these owners own multiple sports teams, multiple businesses. If something is settled and making a profit, they don't really need to push for success. And it's been one of the staggering issues with Man United. And I like that you brought up Sanchez, uh, Falcao in the past, even Ibrahimovic, despite the fact he played fantastic. These are just, you know, square pegs and round holes trying to sell kits, trying to keep the fan base the appeased the at the least fans, slightly. Oh. Let's go yeah, and get a big name. But, to but come, fans. yeah. But then come November, December, we're we're shrugging our shoulders and like this is the same thing as last year. So yeah, exactly, um, and, I'm and, glad and that we seem to be. Look at City's Kyle Walker. I was trying to remember when they yeah. bought him, people were laughing at City for buying him for that amount of money, but they knew why they needed that type of player. They they, they have this saying, the profile of player that they're looking for. But you got other teams; they'll just buy names. 
My brother, he's a big man. Or a big man. Oh, geez. He's going to get mad at me, Anthony. Keep that in, too. Keep that in. He's a big <laughs> Arsenal supporter. Um, the, the, the year he actually became an Arsenal supporter was the year of the Invincibles. Big Thierry Henry fan. Unfortunately, obviously, things haven't been that great since then. But he's stuck true and he's a gunner. Um, similar to Carlos's question, who are some of the guys over the last 15 years who you would consider a club legend that other people might not just because there wasn't really the trophies to go with their legacy? <sighs> Chamberlain. <laughs> not a lot of, there's not a lot of legends over the last 15 years. <laughs> fair. That's a fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but like, you know, for example, he loved Aaron Ramsey, Cesc Fabregas. Like, hmm. you know, what are these guys' great legacies to the club? Yeah, like it's just great, great players. Player, not legends. But, you know, Aaron Ramsey helped to bring us back our first trophies in a very long time. So I guess, I, I don't know, man, I'll put legends high. I, I, I'd say I class those as great players. Great players, you know. What I mean, it's Fabregas, great player. Legends, yeah. legends to me are like Henri, like you said yeah. earlier. Henri, the yeah. Perez, Tony Adams, those are legends. Burkham, Burkham, those are yeah, wonderful because utter yeah. legends, you know. What I mean, utter legends, yeah. So, Campbell, and I think that's legends. why he asked the question mm. because I'll, 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 Campbell, you're not allowed to mention that name on this. Campbell. <laughs> but I think that's why my brother Different asked the question. Came to because... Arsenal, won the league, instant legend, yeah. right? Yeah. Whereas yeah. I look at the players, I, a lot of the players over the last, uh, you know, they're great players. I, I feel sorry. There are some that I feel, as I said, I feel sorry for some of them because had they been playing in a better team, they could be legends now. But I class more of them that I look on as great players. Alexis Sanchez was a, you know, he could have been a legend if he stayed. Robin Van Persie could have been a legend, but they're great players. What about Giroud? He was great. He was a great player, but he should should stay. He took a while to get going, but, you know, um, again, a great player, not a legend. Kim Carlson. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god man loyalty does have a big part to do with it now, now he's a legend right because you know <laughs> for all the wrong to, to buy a player to buy a player in the January transfer window with a broken back that's legendary status you know what I mean it's the most arsenal thing of all time that's awesome I'll take Ganosaurus over him that's awesome I got a couple more quick ones Robbie um you were just talking about you know how the culture of the club kind of changed performance wise once the club moved from Highbury to the Emirates how has the fan culture changed in the match day experience I know obviously it doesn't exist right now but Mm. a lot of Arsenal fans like the experience more but some people were really drawn to the history of Highbury so from your perspective well which do you prefer and what was your favorite memory of match going at Highbury well you know Highbury was uh Highbury for me was better because we won at Highbury. You know what I mean? We won Leeds at Highbury. I think until the thing is about the Emirates, obviously the atmosphere at Highbury was better. It was a smaller ground and it was easier to generate an atmosphere. I think the thing about the Emirates and I think the thing about any new stadium you move to, until you've won a league there, it's not you're not it's never going to be as good. I think if we went to the Emirates and we won a league there and that, this big argument about stadiums and stuff, because it's a beautiful stadium. But there's no doubt the atmosphere is a bit at Highbury and I prefer Highbury because we used to win leagues there. We ain't won no leagues at um, the Emirates. We haven't won a league there. We, went, we moved there because we were told this is going to give us the capacity to win leagues, to win Champions Leagues. We ain't got near, near it. 
So hybrid for me. Yeah. And, you know, the, the best memories of that invincible season, the whole season. Unbelievable. Went the whole season without losing a game. Never going to beat that. No one's no, done it since. No, Everybody's like, you know, last year, Liverpool, they're going to do it. They didn't. They lost about three. And uh, what a lot of people forget, right, is the season before, we only lost one game. Right? The season before, we lost one game. So basically, I know a lot of people talk about Liverpool's record, amazing. But we went one season, we only lose one game. The following season, lost none. Jesus, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 always, I say the same now thing. Now I remember. You wouldn't, you wouldn't I realize that because you're a Tottenham that. fan. You know what I mean? You're, a, you're, you're not, not going to want to realize that. You, like, you might have also forgotten that we won the league at White Hart Lane. We, uh, we, you we've, might, uh, we've had we've a few won the league at Old Trafford as well. We've know? had a few seasons where I thought we weren't going to win a game, so... <laughs> My, uh, my, it's yeah, my last one, Robbie. Um, I, and you guys were just talking about Thierry Henry earlier. Well, one of the things that COVID took away from us here in Halifax was that Henry's impact. We're actually going to possibly travel to Halifax to play in the Canadian Cup. So it would have been such a special moment for our city, brand new club, to have Thierry Henry managing on the other side of the touchline. Um, it, it relates to my question mostly because you've interviewed all these legends at the club for the most part. Who was the first person that made you nervous? Because I know talking to these guys, I'm kind of a little inside fastball here. We were all probably a little more nervous for this show than the normal one. Um, who was the person that gave you butterflies in your stomach? The, the same guy you just said there, Thierry Henry. Because I remember the first time I interviewed him, um, I, was at a, I wasn't set to interview him. I was at a function. And the organizer of the function came to me and my camera guy. We was there. And he said, oh, he goes, do you guys want to do an interview with Thierry Henry? He's upstairs. I go, what? I go, of course I want to do an interview with Thierry Henry. And he said, well, listen, he goes, he goes, I can wangle it, but you only got about um, a minute. I said, listen, even a minute, I'll take that. Yeah? And I remember we went upstairs and we went into the room to interview. And I'm, I mean, listen, I'm nervous. Remember, I've not even been able to prepare or anything. It's just off the cuff, to, you know. And I'm nervous. I'm like, what am I going to ask him first? What should I say? What memory should I bring up? For, you know, you know, all things are going through my head. And then I walk into the room. And as I walk over to him, he turns around. And he goes, oh, Robbie, AFT. No. You do, man. I love no. what you do. And oh. I, nearly fell off, I nearly fell on the floor. I couldn't believe it. I was like, my hero, right? He knows me by my name. And oh. he knows me, honestly. And then I then did another thing a few years after that. Um... It was a Sky TV over here who showed the Premier League and that. They were doing a launch for um they were doing a launch for the Premier League season starting. So they did this event where it was like a sports day, where what they did is they invited down a lot of influencers <coughs> and teamed them up with um people who worked on Sky. Right? Oh. I get there, they team me up with Thierry Henry. Oh, God. Unbelievable, man. I'm walking was, around all it was day to eat. I'm walking around all day long with Thierry Henry just talking about Arsenal. And trust me, it was brilliant. He was giving me so much insights into what it was like when he played. He was talking about the team now. It was brilliant. And it, it honestly, he's such a nice guy. And I beat him in a crossbar challenge. Listen, man, wow. Thierry Henry all day long. <laughs> <laughs> that is something to throw. Like, Thierry, you got your... 
award. You got your YouTube award. You need to like find a way to like get that plaque or something. Like beat <laughs> yeah, you know, the crossbow challenge. And you know what? As well, you know they say like sometimes when you meet people, your hero, you want them to be like, oh please, I want him to be what I'm not. And he was. He was just such a nice guy. At time, as I said, that day the sky thing. He, literally the whole day. He's just walking around me and he's just chatting and he's just like me and you be talking now and go, yeah, it's so Robbie, what have you made of Arsenal this season? I'll be like, wow. Go, yeah. See, Anthony, I can wait to meet uh, Roy King. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I don't, know, what, I don't know if you've ever heard the, the Rory McIlroy story of Roy King. And then, you, you ever seen that one? No. <laughs> well, I, I saw an interview with Rory McIlroy where the, Rory McIlroy did something at one golf event where he signed something for a fan where he got a load of plaudits for it, where he went back out of his way to sign something. And they was asking him, they were saying to him, oh, that's brilliant. And, and he said, listen, he goes, I've always said to myself, if I get famous, I will always have time for the fans. And he goes, he has a memory that he said he met his hero when he was younger, which was Roy Keane. And he went up to him, asked him to sign something. He told him to F off. <laughs> and he said, and, and oh, he, said no. he said that he he said that he promised himself that if he ever got famous, he would have never treat a fan like that. So, listen, that is just what I, I heard. I've never met I've never met Roy Keane. I don't know if he if he would. Listen, wow. he, he does kind of give he does kind of give the impression that he could yeah. do that. <laughs> if Roy Keane tells me to fuck off, this is the best souvenir ever I take, man. It's Roy Keane. <laughs> It's like the Pope blessing, telling me "fuck off," you know. Like it's just Roy, Roy Keane. <laughs> Roy Keane is a, I think he's a different animal, man. Roy Keane is Roy Keane, isn't he? Yeah. Like, just, uh, he, he does make me laugh. He'd be, he'd be like, um, I mean, fans who come on AFTV will get criticised sometimes for having goes at players, and then I'll hear Roy Keane on TV threatening to punch, punch <laughs> up, and United players and stuff like that because you know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yo. Our fans get if our fans said that they they get crucified. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, yeah. I'm, the, I'm just checking Robbie's uh, LinkedIn here, and it actually does say that he beat Terry on the across my challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I'll beat him, man. So he goes, he goes, how do you do that? He goes, ah. Oh. Hey, I'll tell you what, right? He's competitive as well because we were doing all these little events. He's oh, you can see what. Listen, with those guys, right? I remember him. He was there. I remember Jamie Carragher was on it as well. Wow. I'm like, I can see why these guys made it to the top in football. They were, oh, even in doing that, they wanted to win everything. They didn't want to win. They were ultra competitive, man. You know I mean? And that's why, that's why they were so, you know, they were professional footballers. That, uh, talking about that, like Jamie Carragher on Soccer AM there a few weeks doing the, the tackle on Jimmy Bullard. Did you see that? I didn't see that. No, he, he, he like, he, he like, like they were doing like the the, the kick of everything that they do, and he like two footed them. <laughs> that was incredible. I <laughs> Carragher, he's a I've, I've met him a few times. Carragher, he's actually a right guy, and um, yeah, he's ultra competitive, man. He's got. <laughs> So, Robbie, we really appreciate you giving us so much time. I know you're uber, uber busy. Um, thank you so much. Um, like I said, I'm a Tottenham fan, but I watch AFTV all the time. It's, it's an amazing channel. So, so you so much. Do, you know, there, there might be a cure for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know they're bringing that, 
We've got some vaccines out. <laughs> Thanks, man. I'll be on the I'll be on the lookout for one of those. Just before awesome, I let, just before I let you go, I did see uh, I was looking through some of your old videos and you were talking about um the five Judases uh, Arsenal and you mentioned Samar Nazri. Do you still do the punch thing when you say it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a million, man. I really appreciate it. Get back. Get, hope you get better soon, man. Thank you well. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast, recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, Cheers.